Oh, I always let you down. You're shattered on the ground. Still, I find you there next to me. And oh, stupid things I do. I'm far from good. It's true. But still, I find you next to me. That's a song called Next to Me by Imagine Dragons off their 2017 album, Evolve. Welcome to Sean Matthews Podcast. How you doing today, Joe? Not bad for a Monday, my brother. A little gloomy out there. But you know what? We got it pretty good considering how other folks have it. So how you been? Not bad, man. Hanging in there. Uh, I chose these lyrics because I really like this song. Um, I didn't even know. Was, I've been a fan of the Imagine Dragons pretty much since they started as a band. Um and I didn't even know about this song until my aunt, I went to their concert this summer. My aunt texted me. She's like, did they play next to me? And I'm like, wait, what song was that? And during their acoustic portion of the concert, they did play it. And then I started listening to the mu- the song like crazy after the concert, because I had some footage from that song. Thankfully, I recorded some of it. Um, and I just got really into the song. It's really just a, a solid song. It's about like people in your life who you kind of let down and they're still next to you. They're still there for you, regardless of what you do. Um, you know, whether it could be you let your family members down and they're always there for you, whether you let a good friend down and they're always there for you. Um, he's talking about, you know, the stupid things that he does. He's far from good, but still he finds that person there next to him. So we all have been in situations like this. We feel like we've let someone down and, you know, they stick with us regardless. They find out, all, we reveal all the skeletons in our closet to them. All our secrets are out there and still they, they find their self, they find them. We find ourselves next to them. They find themselves next to us. Um, they stick with you regardless of what's going on. Um, Cause they know you, they know who you are. They know who your heart is. So it's just a, you know, a nice sweet song about, you know, sticking with people, even if they let you down, you know, I'm not saying I'm not, pro- I'm not trying to uh, uh, promote people, just letting people down and just taking advantage of people and other people just, you know, be in there for them regardless, no matter how many times they get shit on. I'm not saying that at all. Sometimes you got to cut people out of your life. If they're toxic, if just enough is enough, I'm all about that. But in the circumstances where it's like family and close friends, that lifelong friendships and things like that, it's nice to know that, you know, not everything you do is going to create a whole ripple the rest of your life where you lose friends and family over really stupid things. A lot of times it's stupid things, but like he says, it's stupid things, but you know, they don't leave you. So I'm just wondering, Joe, what do you think about the song? Well, yeah, I, I got some of that. Maybe, Sean, I've been watching a little too much Chosen, but uh, what struck me was um, was the relationship I know I have with with God. Um, and I'm not, you know me, I'm not, I'm not here to speak religion. And certainly, um, I could speak like a truck driver at certain times in certain places of the day and so forth. It's, it's, I'm not an angel. Okay. But I do have a relationship with God. I, I do believe Christ was here and we've spoken, you and I have spoken on, on a couple of days, but we're, we will revisit that topic sometime too, of just who he was and so forth and so on. But I think, um, that's, and I have been watching chosen too, as a matter of fact, but I just think, uh, that, that relationship, uh, I always let you down. Not always. He doesn't mean always every minute of every day, but often I let you down. You're shattered on the ground. God shattered on the ground. Hey, you know know what? How do we know? How do we know when God's heart is broken? Okay. How do we know? Someone said that to me once. Someone said that to me once and we were debating abortion and they said to me, well, how do you know that doesn't break Christ's heart? And I just kind of bit my tongue. I, I just, it got me thinking. It's like, we don't know that 
just like us, God can have his, his or her heart broken just, just the same way we can, right? We, we don't know that. So still I find you there next to me, always there, okay? And there are myriad of passages in different scripture and, and so forth and so on uh, that lead us to believe that those are his sentiments. Uh, uh, I'll always be next to you, right? And stupid things I do, I'm far from good. It's true, but still, I'll find you next to me. And I only hearken back to that. If you've ever seen that, um, read that poem about footprints in the sand, you know, I'll, I'll always find you next to me. The footprints in the sand, if you haven't seen it or heard it or do whatever, please look it up. Because a guy is talking about he's, his life is over and he's, he's with God and they're walking on the beach. And this is your life, son. This is your life. See those those footprints in the sand? There are four footprints, two of yours and two of mine. I was always with you. And then there were some spots where there was only one set. And he says, Lord, there's only one set of footprints here. And these were the times of my life that were the most difficult. You left me? He said, no, child. He said, those, those were the times that I carried you. That's why there's one set. So, um, that's what I got from it. And, and like I said, Sean, I'm kind of JC'd up, I guess, because I've been watching Chosen. But you know me, under normal circumstances, this type of interpretation for me is, is not abnormal. Um, and I'm not Mr. Religion. I'm far from perfect. I'm flesh and blood. I'm sinner. That's yeah, why I need an example. Like we just had a right before the show started, I emailed Joe the link to Zoom and I texted him. I was like, link set. And we're supposed to start around 7.45. So I'm, it was around 7.45. I'm waiting for Joe. And then I'm texting. I'm like, where are you? So 7.47, he says, I don't see it. I'm like, I sent it around 7.36. And then he's like, you know, I tell, I say, look in spam. Then he texts me back. He's like, yeah, it was in spam. So long story short is we couldn't get rolling until around like 7.52 or something like that. And I'm like, you know, I had a long day at work. I'm kind of hungry. And I'm like, I was a little bit like mean to Joe, like judging him. I was like, yeah, were you just, were you just like using excuses because you were really late? You didn't really know how to, but I, I believe you know, he, he didn't, it wasn't his first thought to look in the spam folder, but it's kind of funny because it's like this song is like little things like that. It's like, yeah, you let me down that little moment right there, but you know, yeah, you're still I, my dude. You know what I mean? Absolutely. This is a small example. Well, just, this is really a trivial example. Just throwing that out there, but just, you know, little things in life that these things add up though, these little circumstances and you know, you stay with people regardless of these little annoyances because they're really stupid little things that don't matter. And you like know? you said, the positives far outweigh the negatives. If you think you're going to get through anything, I mean, I love my parents, that, but I had I had some arguments with them that were, you know, unbelievable. And, you know, at the times I thought to myself, did you just say what the f- what the frick I think you just said to me? What the you? How could you, you know, this kind of a thing? I mean, I've had some real. And those are two people I love more than anybody on the planet. So um, if you think you're going to get through any kind of friendship or any kind of, uh, uh, you know, buddies or friends or a romantic relationship or even sibling or, or whatever and not have these things, you're going to have them. But when the like you said earlier, I mean, there is a limit when, when, when the when the po- when the negatives outweigh the positives and it doesn't look like there's any way back and you feel like, you know, you shouldn't you know, if someone comes to you and says they're sorry with sincerity the bible is to not that the bible is everything but even christ said as much as you can 70 times seven he didn't mean 490 he just meant infinitely just a lot if someone comes to you and says i'm really really sorry and they're serious fine but if they if you think that apology is just a bunch of horseshit and it's not really heartfelt you can you can cut ties in it you just don't do anything offensive to them but there's nothing wrong with washing your hands walking the other way 
and and writing somebody off even christ said that's 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 a valid response so uh yeah it's all it's it, uh but that's what hit me with these lyrics I, I really did and that fact that uh they're always there and the footprints thing just came to me too yeah like, so you, you took know. it to like a you're like a more spiritual level when you saw the lyrics yeah 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 so, that, i mean that's that's one interpretation yeah like you know christ is always there he's always in your life you know regardless um religious people might jump to that real quick but i'm just trying to think from a human being point of level you know type of level um in everyday life we every everybody deals with this stuff like you know kids let their parents down all the time and you know um still their parents are there for them and like, i know what you're saying joe eventually you should cut people off but i really think unless they do something drastic um, and it's just overt and they know what they're doing and they're doing it intentionally and they're manipulating you. And it's like really bad. And repetitively. Yeah, that's like, you know, that's a different level of like, okay, but this yeah. is just one of those songs. Like, it's just like, it's, it's a sweet song. You know what I mean? It's got a yeah. good beat to it. It's got good lyrics. I like it. So, yeah. Um, anyway, Joe, what is one skill that you wish you had? One skill that i wish i had like, um, you could be like a master guitar player like you'd be like the best musician in the world you're like the best actor in the world or a scientist that could cure cancer or or an astronaut astronaut that could explore space like what would you want to like do if you had if you could have a you could be the best at whatever you want to be oh i would i will i you know that that's such a it's 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 not a question i can answer real quickly but um it, just like what what pops in your mind first like do you fantasize about being a rock star like a, a famous movie star no I was always a, would, would you rather be a, no. would, you be a, would you rather be a movie star or a rock star uh i think movie okay yeah i think movie at this point in my life, anyway, if you ask me when I was 25, I might say rock star. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, just, just doesn't matter what, like, just regardless of the age, like, if you just go back in time and, like, someone's like, oh, you could be, like, the best musician ever, or you can be, like, the best actor ever. So you're saying, I think, you know, I think I'd probably still take the, the movie thing. I'd probably still take that. That looks like, it looks like, I mean, you get paid to pretend to be somebody else and you can get lost in your work by doing that. And, we all know about the rewards um but then again i don't know if i'd want to be quote unquote famous to be honest with you sean um okay so take the famous out of it take the um, famous out if i get like one a, skill like a I skill would, like you know like the skill yeah. can make you rich or something like that would you want to be like a, the guy who invents google mm, maybe i don't know that's a hard question it really okay. is it really is. No, I'm sorry for throwing throwing you like you know. A very, I was just thinking about it the other day because whenever I'm like running on the treadmill and I'm like getting really into the music, mm-hmm. I have like these daydreams about being like a a singer of like a real famous band, mm-hmm. and just like my fa- my friends and family coming to see me, and like they're like, holy crap! Like Sean's up there singing. He's a rock star. Like he knows how to. He's really doing his thing up there. Like I'm, you know, like Bruce Springsteen type level. So I've. Okay. I've had these fantasies, like I've also had, I had these daydreams about like being a pro athlete, you know, yeah, like, have, that's probably where I go to yeah. captivating moments and just being like a, like a maestro, like messy, you know what I mean? That type of thing. Mm-hmm. Or Michael Jordan level skill. Um, and these little like fantasies will give me like a burst of energy. I'm like, holy crap. Like just in, in another life, you know, that could have been possible. Like, cause like, it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, like if your friends and family go to see you at a concert, 
they're like, damn, like, man, he was, you know, he's really a rock star. It's like, and like, they find out you wrote the song, wrote the lyrics, you you produced the song. Like, man, this guy produced and wrote these lyrics and he was performing it for all. Like that type of thing is like amazing to think about. I think like when you, you start. It's, it's funny that you're hitting me with this when I'm, I'm, I'm just binging the other day, <laughs> not chosen. I'm going a different Daisy, direction. Right? I'm binging day. <laughs> yeah. Daisy, uh, Daisy Jones and the six which I think is a fantastic new series on. And I, I think they're, I think the model for their, they don't come out and say it or whatever, but I think where they got the idea for this band is, is, is cause they're, they're, they're forming a band here and it's early, obviously it's season one, but I think they got the idea from Fleetwood Mac. I think they're using that as somewhat of a model. Um, the woman is sort of like Stevie Nicks. And I guess the dude is like Lindsay Buckingham. And I guess they're, you know, and then there's this, this good looking blonde, a girl that plays the the keyboards and so so i i think they're gonna I, they don't come out and say it and so forth um but i think that's where they they're getting the idea how, how is like do they play original songs in that show how's the music in that show the band themselves they play their original stuff stuff we've never heard before some of it's pretty cool um but when the band's not playing you know, they'll they'll put on some you know like any other show will do when someone's traveling from one place to another they'll put on a song or whatever but you'll hear songs from you know you'll hear songs from just about everybody in the, in that time you know in that time frame uh love is the drug i'm thinking of that was on the other night when i didn't when i was watching it on one of the episodes which is an old it's an old tune from the late 70s mid late yeah. to late 70s and so forth you'll find I can't think of any other um, um, uh, a, a Beach Boys song or so. So it, you'll have like when they're at a party, you'll hear. But when when the band is playing their stuff and they do it the right way, they're playing stuff we've never heard before, which I think is good okay. because it really wants to separate. Um, yeah. You know, the, but you uh, see- I, I think a professional pitcher or quarterback would be probably <laughs> the most. Re- that's probably if I if because I, I well I try to picture myself. What was I closest to? I'm not closest. I can't play an instrument. You, you claim that you could still throw a football sixty yards, correct? I, I promise you, Sean, I can. I I promise <laughs> you, I can. And I'm not drinking today or anything like that. I promise you. I promise you, I can. And I'm more than willing to go out. You have to let me warm up for about ten or fifteen minutes, though. But the, you think this guy's jumping into a huddle and just crank out? No, I mean, I have to let my. I have to. We have to have a catch. For like 10, 15, maybe even 20 minutes to really get my arm good and loose. And then if I take a hop and stick that back foot in the ground, I can get that thing. I can get that thing to about 60 yards. Like I got, Shawnee, I'll put a hundred dollars down. And if you, I mean, if you want to bet me, you've never really contested it, but I promise you I can. I wouldn't say something like that if I couldn't. I used to pitch. I, I was in now. I had other things going on in high school and this and that and a girlfriend and wanting to party a little bit too much and so forth and i did have a a confrontation with <laughs> with the with the coach at one point um but anyway uh at my my freshman year I was, I was clocked at 88 miles an hour my freshman year so um and i know i had it up around 90 at one point um but still that's before i learned how to actually pitch that having the heat is because i would just throw the heat and they say, you know, hey, you want to really think about a change up and this and that. And, that. and I didn't understand the value of changing speeds and doing all that. I was just too, you know, my mind was going 100 miles an hour. Just now I'm just going to crank back and fire because until then, that's all I ever had to do. And so you, you never uh, you never mastered the curveball. 
I had a curve. I, I would throw a curve once in a while, but I, I, as the catcher would put it down, I would shake it off quite a bit. Like, no, I just want to throw the heat. The heat. So I had two pitches. I had a fastball and a curve. And But I, I should have learned the value of a changeup really because the arm speed is exactly the same and it just it everything looks the same to that batter but i so didn't let me put you on the spot let me put you on the spot would you rather be the philadelphia eagles quarterback or the philadelphia phillies um pitcher mm. i that's a, it's a damn good question that's a damn good question. What if, if somebody said you could be, you could play 15 years in baseball, 15 years of football, the, you play, play the same amount of time, you make the same amount of money. Mm-hmm. Um, it's either baseball or football with the, you know, on, on your hometown team. I would. Hmm. That's a tough one, but I would probably say. I would, I would, I might go baseball because it was, I might, because if all things are the same. I want to have all my faculties. And then if I'm going to hand the ball off half the time, which I like, and I'm glad Jalen hands the ball off. Don't I like the running game, but from, from my point for as, as a pitcher, I'm, I, I get that ball on every play. I start every play and I only play every five days, but hell, if I'm quarterback, I only play every seven days. So, um, I, I, I and I figure my career could be longer. I could stay. Well, you said it was the same length, but, um, I would, it would be a tough decision. It would be a tough decision. I'd have to think about that because there again, too, when I'm older, way older, like a hundred and I'm looking back on NFL films, I, I'd like to see myself playing, you know, on those uh, NFL, films. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they don't really have major league baseball films, that kind of a thing. So I think I'd, I don't know. It's a tough, tough decision, but um, yeah, those are the two things. You're about um, speaking of baseball while, while I have the subject. You hear Joe Pepitone, uh, the former first baseman and center fielder for the Yankees, died today. I did not. And did I, there was not. the only reason I really know who he is is he played for the Yankees. He started his career at the Yankees. He played for them from 1962 to 1969. Um, he made a couple All Star games. He was in the MVP voting a couple times. He had a hundred RBI season in 1964. Um, but I know him because because Curb Your Enthusiasm. Um, there was an episode. Of this you know Larry David had a Joe Pepitone jersey. And it was a whole like thing about the Joe Pepitone jersey. So when I saw that today, I thought of Curb because I'm going to talk about Curb in a second because I'm going to talk about Saturday Night Live, the movies I saw, and the Oscars. Um, but yeah, Joe Pepitone died today. He finished his career with the Braves. He played till he was 32 years old. So um, you know, I, le- I guess any guy who played the Yankees is kind of a legend in my mind. So you know, yeah. And but he, yeah, was, you know, great he, he was featured in a Curb Your Enthusiasm episode, so I thought that was you know that was pretty cool. <laughs> I don't even. I can't, I'd have to see the episode, but uh, I certainly remember the name. I certainly yeah. remember the name, definitely. Joe Pepitone. Yeah. Um, as far as movies that I saw, so I saw three movies. Um, since uh, Thursday, I saw Scream Six Thursday night. Um, I'd probably give Scream Six a seven point three rating. Um, I haven't like I can't. I had like those movies come out, like, you know, there's been six of them. Plus there's been a show, you know, for me to compare all of them will be insane. Cause I don't have like the, the current knowledge or the current recency that I've seen them, but I'd say this one was probably one of the better ones. I thought it was pretty original and unique. It took place in New York city, which I liked. So 7.3 for scream six fun movie to see in theaters. 
Uh, then I saw a great movie. I think, Joe, you'll love this movie. I saw it's called Champions with Woody Harrelson. He plays a disgraced basketball coach who gets a DUI in a sentence of 90 days of community service. And he has to coach um, uh, basketball. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. People, they call people intellectual disabilities, but most of them have like Down syndrome and things like that. And he yeah. has to be their basketball coach. And he's used to coaching pros and stuff. So it's one of those like humbling type of stories. And, you know, the guy makes good stories and he does the right thing. And yeah. you know, there's a love angle to it. You know, the girl from uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia, she's in it. Um, cause like her brother ha- is part of the basketball team. So it's, I thought the movie was very good. I would say champions is like a, uh, seven point. I gave it a 7.9. I liked it that much. Cool. Scream six, 7.3 champions, 7.9. Then I saw, um, then I saw another movie called 65 with Adam driver. I, I want to see that. I want to see that happen, but I want to see it. It looks interesting. Yeah, it was okay. I mean, it, it was kind of confusing in a set, like the concept, like it takes 65 million years, um, 65 million years ago, planet earth, he lands on planet earth and there's dinosaurs and stuff and he has to survive. He's the only guy on the ship that crashes, but the movie basically implies that there's basically a whole universe, um, besides earth that existed and had technology to fly and all this different technology that we enjoy today and present day and probably even more advanced technology. They existed 60, at least 65 million years before like, um, we existed pretty much today. So the movie tries to like, you know, to basically say that like, you know, there were societies before earth. So it's an interesting concept. And I, I'm not, yeah. I don't know if I, you know, it's one of those things I thought about. I'm like, man, what if that's true? What if before yeah. planet earth, there was a whole, you know, a whole another planet and like they explored the cosmos, they explored the heavens and then some of the crash landed on earth and was dealing with dinosaurs and stuff. Um, so it was interesting, but that movie was probably the worst out of all of all the ones I saw this weekend. Um, I would give that one a six point two. wasn't terrible. It's kind of entertaining, but you know, it could have been so much more. Only about an hour and a half, so a quick ninety minute movie. Um, so order the movies that I saw: Champions with Woody Harrelson, number one; Scream Six, number two; and Sixty Five, number three. Um, but I recommend all those movies. I mean, all those movies are, are watchable and pretty good. So. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and I, I like that Adam Driver one. I like that concept because how the, who the hell are we to assume that we're, we're the most intelligent thing that's ever come along, and we're the most sophisticated thing that's ever come along? Who are we to have that hubris? You know what I mean? There are there may be there may be forms of life out there that consider us like plankton. You know what I mean? There, I mean, how that's, the, well, that, that's where it gets scary, right? When you start thinking yes. like that, that's yes. where it gets scary. It's like okay, they. Like, you know, we look at ants and we're like, you know, you could just like, yes, yeah. Ants are just so easy to kill and you have no emotional connection to them. So that theory about like these, these alien planets and other solar systems and how they think like we're like bugs to them, yeah. that's scary to think. But I don't think that's, you know, if they would, if they wanted to like hurt us and kill us and just like, like if we step on like a whole ant hill and all the ants die, if they wanted to just like eliminate our planet, I think it would have already happened already. But I'm not above thinking that we're the first planet to ever exist and have plant human life. Um, it's certainly possible wanna, wanna, other, plan, other planets yeah. had human life too, and that maybe they still exist. And that we haven't even we're not able to reach those solar systems and that that space and time is a whole different you know time zone. Never ever. I'm not above thinking that, but the idea that like we're like plankton and bugs to like some other alien civilizations, and if they found us, they would quickly just enslave us and discard us. Like that scares oh, me. Well, I I didn't- 
that's yeah, it's necessary to say all that, but just the fact that they and I said plankton, but I mean they they could consider us to be so 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 far beneath them, and they could be really accurate as to look. They're only right there in this whole thing. They they think they're so looking at us, thinking, oh boy, look at them. They think they're so smart, and they're only right there in this whole thing. My God, they're they're so backward and so ancient, um, and they don't want to kill us. They 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 it's, that's not their their thought processes it, they may just maybe like ah, look at them ah, phew, let's go somewhere else they could care less about you know but they just think that but we we always automatically assume that in this infinite sky then you look up and all these planets and solar systems and all the different universes that are out there there are myriad universes out there right not just our little universe but myriad and to think that there's nothing else out there that's smarter than we are that's awful, awful arrogant for us to assume. What's the next level of like, okay, so like human beings are pretty advanced, right? We have technology, we're, we do a lot of uh, things. That's so in terms we, of like human evolution, like, no, in terms of like human evolution, right? Like what would be the next step? Like, would it be the ability to like talk to it, communicate uh, to each, each person without opening our mouth? We're just speaking with our minds and like reading other people's minds and like growing a third eye. Like what would be like the next evolution to make us like, you know what I mean? It's, it's scary to think about, but like, what exactly can we do to advance further than what we already have? You know what I mean? Well, well sure. We may be at our, we may be at our end as a species, but there may be species out there in these other places and other, other living forms of life that in comparison make us look like absolute, you know, that really, I mean, so, but I'm just saying it's, we automatically yeah, I wonder like, what, what do you think automat- they, what can those, what can those like things that make us look like we're like a joke um, to them? What can they possibly do that we can't, what do you think they're capable of? How do they look? Do they like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, do they, Sean, they're liable to they be attractive able to do- and, well, attractive is it, attractive is relative too, is it not? Yeah, because they, they could be their own species and then make their own form. Like, are they? So they're not human. You're saying they they're not human beings. They'd have to be like a different like form of human beings, a more evolved form, or the whole different species is what you're saying. That's the question. Are they? Are they? Um, um, are they an elaborate or more advanced form of us, or are they just a different species altogether? I mean, the, the possibilities are really endless, but we all want to, my point is we always come to this, the table thinking that, you know, we are as, as fully de- developed all along and we're, we're the most intelligent thing, uh, anywhere in the whole, in all of existence. We are, we're this, we're the, and to really come to the table with that is kind of presumptuous. I mean, how often do you see, you see, I saw military. Uh, military footage the other day of and people have people in their right minds have seen these things that would come down and flying and 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 hover and then boom they're gone right they could be looking at us for a couple of seconds oh they saw us let's get out boom that kind of a thing i mean and things that we can't explain as far as well it wasn't a trick of the light it wasn't that it was something flying but we don't have the ability to understand exactly what it is yet sure these things are already and you know, now of course, sometimes it's something ridiculous or it's explainable, but a lot, a lot of times it, it's not. And and but you would hope. Let me just. You would hope that if there is a whole other species or higher evolved human being types, like you would hope that they have emotions, higher level emotions than we do, and yeah. that they're able to have so much empathy and sympathy to the point where. They don't want to hurt us at all. That's no, no the, one said anything about hurting us. No, if I we, never, think about this, though. If we think about God, if you believe in God, if God created us in his uh-huh. image, um, and one of those other 
civilizations and species, what, what image have they created? Is it a whole different type of God? And then also, um, I don't know. There's so much to think about. Let's do another episode. And I yeah, promise, because, I promise we'll come back to this. Um, that's cool. Because God was that, that, that litany there, God created us in his own image was taken from the Bible, which was written by some desert dwelling guys that, you know, that drank wine and, you know, philosophized. So we don't know. That's a human construct, that idea of, well, God made us in his own image. How do you, I mean, come on, we, we don't, what are you talking about? What, what is in his own image? How do you know? Who said this? Did he say it? No, I said, it. who said it? Oh, Luke said, or whoever said, you know, this kind of a thing. Uh, it was written here in this book. So I don't know that God made us in his own image per se, like he has an arm, a leg or whatever. I don't, I don't know <laughs> that, but you know what I mean? I tell who the hell knows that. Uh, but, but uh, yeah, you're, I think they're so sophisticated um, that the idea of them, they don't want to hurt us. I don't want to hurt us. Do you want to go out and hurt a, a little? Do you want to go find a ladybug somewhere and hurt it? I mean, I hope not. Yeah, we'll talk. Look, Joe, we'll talk about it because the the current event today. I'll just tell you now. The current event we're doing today is about rats, and if it's humane to get, there's a big rat problem going on, especially in New York City. <laughs> so we're going to talk. The whole article is about rats, and get you really thinking about how humane the rat traps are because they're a lot tougher to kill than mice. So just a, it's kind of funny we got on this topic. So we'll talk, we'll, we'll, once we get to our current event a little later in the show, we'll have a little bit more of this discussion about, you know, what makes us better than rats and things like that. And we'll talk about it. Let's get to it. Let's talk about SNL real quick, though. So SNL was on Saturday. Jenny Ortega was the host. The 1975 was the musical guest. Um, I thought the Travis Kelsey episode was better. I thought this episode wasn't bad. Um, but like, I don't know. I mean, they had a couple good skits. All the skits are pretty decent, but like, like none of them made me like super like laugh out loud. The yeah. only one that was making me really laugh out loud, like laugh a lot, um, was the Parent Trap skit with Fred Armisen, a former cast member. That guy was one of the funniest members ever. But did you see that skit where he he's supposed to play the girl, the Parent Trap? He's supposed to play the girl's twin, and she she's playing the same characters, but they have to film her reading one line, and then they have to film her again reading the other lines. So for the role, she's just reading her lines, but they find this guy. Um, Raymond, yeah. he's a crew member, and he comes in and starts reading the lines and starts coming up with his own things. Um, like yeah. it, she starts reading one of her, it's, it's kind of like a kid's movie, The Parent Drop. I, you know, I saw it years ago in like the 90s, but um, she's reading one of her lines and she's like, she says something, and he's like, and I'm starting to think you're a real bitch. And like the guy, the director comes in, he's like, he's like, well, you know, you can't say that, you know, we didn't have the word bitch in there. Um, he's like, I did it off the cuff thing, like curb. You guys watch curb. I love curb. Um, so that's what curb your enthusiasm talking about the pepitone thing. It's kind of on my mind, but he started, you know, cause curb your enthusiasm, a lot of that show is just like off the cuff and it's a lot of improv. So this guy, th- th- he's working on the crew, Fred Armisen's character, you know, starts taking liberties for, you know, creative freedom to start coming up with his own thing. It's like one time he says, uh, um, she's like, yeah, I really think Sean Mendez is hot. And he's like, you know what I like? I like Lisa Renna. I would let her wreck me. Like he just starts saying these <laughs> yeah. appropriate things. Yeah. Um, and I thought it was really funny. And then like he's talking to the director. He's like, should I go to the toilet? And she gets mad. He's like, no, just do what the script says. He's like, he's like, he's like, does that mean you? Are you just trying to tell me you have to go to the bathroom? He's like, no, my, my character might have to go to the toilet. Like the whole the whole skit had me dying. I really liked it. You know, I miss Fred Armisen as it is. So that, that was good. I thought the X-Men one, trivia one, where they had a regular trivia team and also the trivia team from the X-Men Academy. Um, I thought that was really like well done, but it didn't make me like laugh out loud. I thought it was just well done and clever, but it was one of those things. It takes a lot for me to laugh out loud. 
Um, I'll think things are funny, but I might not be laughing because I have a really, you know. And then I thought the skit that they do, um, they have those little like video skits. Um, it's kind of like a little movie. Um, it's the please don't destroy video. That's what they call their production team and the name of the skits. They're taking a road trip and they're all singing about the road trip. And then like things go wrong and they start fighting and stuff. Um, and like they show the little dramatic moments between the happiness and the road trip. I thought that was kind of clever. That was okay. And I also thought the Waffle House skit was pretty good where they're having a serious conversation about breaking up outside of a Waffle House and inside the Waffle House chaos is breaking is ensuing. And cause it's, it's kind of funny because a lot of Waffle Houses, you hear a lot of stuff like that happens. There's a lot of, you know, craziness that happens inside Waffle Houses. So I thought this was kind of a clever, unique, I wasn't laughing that hard at it, but I thought it was clever and funny. So it's one of those things I judge SNL based on like, okay, what makes me laugh out loud, but also like what's clever and funny and what's unique. So that they had a lot of like unique, clever and funny stuff, but not necessarily making me laugh out loud. Um, the Fred Armisen one, the parent trap one that did make me laugh a lot. I thought that was good. Uh, but Joe, I'll let you talk. What'd you think? <laughs> After what you just said, I mean, it's, it's pretty much, it's pretty much it. I mean, I, um, you know how I feel about the show. It's an okay show. I watch it cause it's live. There's nothing else on what the hell I'll watch it. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I, uh, I liked weekend update. I thought that was pretty good. Uh, I liked the waffle house scene. And did, the you rest like of the, did you like that uh, one cast member's two minute impressions? I did. I did like that. Yes. Okay, that was he did good. his Trump that... voice too. And it's just so funny. Dude, he sounds like Donald Trump standing there. He really does. It, it, all the, all the, just not only the voice, but the, the, the tempo you know, of all the things he says and repeats himself. I repeat, but oh yeah. And that kind of thing. It was just funny. Um, yeah, I think his name is James Austin Johnson. Um, so he's he's pretty good at impression. Not everyone in the cast can do like great impressions. They yeah. all try and they all like have fun in their little niches and what impressions work the best. Right. But this guy, James Austin Johnson, seems the most versatile with the impressions, at least. Yeah. yeah. I think. I don't know. It could be because I feel like, you know, Keenan Thompson, right? He's a great cast member. I hope he I hope he's a lifelong cast member. I hope Keenan's on until he's an old man because he's he's been on he's been on for so long. I don't think he's gonna leave it, you know. And you know, he's just perfect for that show because he started off in the kids kind of SNL, this show called All That and Nickelodeon. I knew him from that when I was a kid. There's a kid's version of SNL, basically. Um, but he's not really like a big impression guy. Like he does some, but like he doesn't need to be good at impressions to be a, an effective cast member, right? He probably does a lot behind the scenes, he probably does some crea- creative writing and things like that. He does like Charles Barkley pretty good. Um, he'll have his moments, but like what I'm saying is you don't have to be like a great impressionist to be a phenomenal SNL cast member. Every, it's a nice diverse group is what I'm saying. So, yeah. Yeah. So you were, you know, you had, so did you, what, what would you grade it? You say you, what, was this episode better? Not, I'm not going to put you on the spot and ask you to give it an A or B or score number. Um, would you say this is better than the Travis Kelsey episode? No. Better than the Woody Harrelson episode? No. Okay. I feel the same. I thought, I think Jenny Ortega is very talented, but she's also very young. Yeah. She looked like a 14 year old kid. She's she's 20 years old, but um, she looks very young. Like she's very like small and skinny. So she's kind of limited in what they can do in terms of like the, the skits that can write her in. Whereas like Travis Kelsey and Woody Harrelson, um, there's more diversity and opportunity to write skits for them. I feel like she did good in whatever her role was, but um, but you know, Fred Armisen, who's not even a cast member anymore, he's the one who kind of stole the show in that one skit 
And that was the highlight of the show for me. As far as the 1975 goes, I like them as a band. They're not one of my favorite bands. They're they're a good band, and I enjoy like a, a lot of their songs. Like probably like three or four songs I really like. It's like mainstays in my playlist where I play it, and it's really good. But the two songs they played, I wasn't really like those are not two of my favorite songs. So I was kind of disappointed they didn't play you know one of their other songs that I really like, uh, like Love It If We Made It or Robbers, or even an old school song like Chocolate. Um, or even one of their new songs called The Sound. Um, whatever. I'm just I'm just nitpicking at this point, but that's what I thought. I thought SNL was okay. A couple of skits had me laughing. Yeah. Um, then the Oscars were Sunday. I know, Joe, you're you're binging the Daisy show, but I watched the whole Oscars. Um, I thought Jimmy Kimmel did a great job as a host. I thought his opening monologue was very good. Um, he had some really good ones. Like in the very beginning, he made it like a kind of a subtle joke that I don't know if people picked up on. He was like adjusting his suit and he's like, my Banshees are caught in my in a Sharon right now. And then one of the movies for best movie was Banshees of Inna Sharon. So I thought that was a nice little fun wordplay that he used for that. Um, the Nicole Kidman joke, I this really hit home with me because Nicole Kidman, before every AMC movies, if you go to AMC theater, they have this like kind of like meme type, like two minute, like Nicole Kidman trailer telling you about how good movies are and how special they are to see in theaters. So Kidman made a joke about like, He's glad that Nicole Kidman was released from that abandoned AMC because basically the whole thing is like she's kind of looks like she's an abandoned AMC and the whole. So it's one of those things you have to know what he's talking about. Yes. But doesn't it probably wouldn't hit for people who have no, they're like what is he talking about an abandoned AMC? So a lot of jokes, you know, if you're in if you're in on them and you know what's going on, like the joke he made about Ozempic, there's a popular diabetes drug that everyone's using, like apparently in Hollywood to lose weight fastly. But there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of like side effects. So he made a joke about Ozempic. He made a joke about Encino Man, you know, because Encino Man was Brendan Fraser's, like one of his first movies. And he's like, oh, two guys from Encino Man were nominated for Oscar tonight. And the funny part about that, you know, was the two guys who were nominated from Encino Man, um, they actually won, not for Encino Man, obviously, that's from the 90s, but they actually won uh, Fraser Best Actor. I was very happy that Fraser won Best Actor. That was that was amazing. Um, they just made a bunch of other good jokes. You know, I thought it was very clever. I thought it was very good. I, I, I enjoyed his monologue. Um, after last year, the whole Will Smith incident, you know, it's nice to have a, a nice Oscars where everything was good and nothing went wrong and got through the show. So, but as far as like the awards, I mean, I thought Kate Blanchett should have won Best Actress for Tar. She didn't. The actress from um, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once won. That, that movie really cleaned up. I thought it was a good movie. I saw it in theaters, but I don't think it deserved all the awards it got. I mean... It won like seven awards. It was like insane. I, mean, I, I, didn't I haven't think, seen it. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, it's a, it's a recent movie, but um, you know, it's just, I I just didn't. I thought Tar should have won Best Picture, um, and I thought you know Best Director. I thought Steven Spielberg because he directed a movie about like his own life, kind of. I thought Steven Spielberg kind of deserved it, but they gave it to everything everywhere all at once. You know, I don't know. This, it was kind of like that movie was very unique and very original and very weird which made it kind of confusing for people to judge fairly. And I thought like the fact that it was so weird and so different um, kind of just catapulted it. And I guess the people voting thought it was good enough to just really dominate the awards, but I kind of disagree. I thought it was good, but I don't even think it was top three. I don't think it should have been in top three for best picture, but yeah, because there was 10 movies nominated. I saw nine out of 10. The only one I didn't see was all quiet, quiet on the Western front. I want to watch that. That's on Netflix, but um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. But I thought the Oscars overall were good. I thought Kimmel, Kimmel's a great host. I wouldn't mind because Billy Billy Crystal used to be the host like almost every year. 
I wouldn't mind if Jimmy Kimmel was the host every year either. You know, he's that good. Um, he keeps things flowing. His monologue is very good. He's got really funny. He did a really like interesting thing. He kind of like, there's this lady who won like the Nobel peace prize, like this Indian lady. And he kind of like treated her like she was a joke. And everyone's kind of complaining about that. Like he, he tried to like, he was, he was setting her up. Like he was going to ask her a serious question. And then um, he didn't ask her the question. He asked her something like random. He's like, do you think that Chris Pine like really spit on that person at this award show? And she didn't know what to say. So I thought that was like unintentionally like really funny because I get Jimmy Kimmel's humor. It's like observational. It's funny, goofy stuff like that, putting people on the spot. And um, he offended this lady who won a Nobel Peace Prize. So there's all people like who are like kind of butthurt over it and kind of saying, oh, Jimmy Kimmel did the wrong thing. He shouldn't have offended this like, you know, Nobel Peace Prize winner, like humanitarian lady. But I thought it was fine. I thought it was all in good fun. You got to have a sense of humor, especially if you're not going to be sitting in a crowd at, the, at an award show. Um, but anyway. Joe, I didn't tell you, when I was at the movies, something really scary kind of happened, man. I um, I lost my phone in the movie seat. It's a reclining chair at the movies these days. And my phone got stuck during the movie 65. It got stuck in the seat. So I had to maneuver my hand and make sure I didn't crush the phone. But I got my phone out, dude. Just letting you know I'm okay. Yeah, that's, uh, I'm <laughs> glad to see you came out of that one all right, man. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, it was scary for a second because I didn't know because phone, your phone gets stuck in the seat. It's like, do they have... Do you have access to get your phone out of the seat? How did they get the phone? Because it's like these these movie like leather recliners. You're like, you know, it's it's a little bit, you know, because you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if you when you because the, the the seat was inclined or reclined. So when I went to incline it, um, I didn't know if the phone was going to get crushed. So it was a little touch and go there for a second. But I digress. Um, anything else you want to talk about, Joe? We do a little bit long in this opening. No, sir. Pretty good okay, shape. So let's move on to our actor, man. Uh, I think you know this guy. His name is Mark Wahlberg. You know him, right, Joe? Yeah, I've heard of him. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So Mark was born on June 5th, 1971 in Dorchester, Massachusetts. It's it's kind of like a part of Boston. So he, you know, he's from Boston, basically. His mom was a nurse's aide. Uh, his dad was a delivery driver. He was the youngest of nine children. They kind of grew up in poverty. Um, his parents divorced when he was 11 and him and his family, they lived in a three bedroom apartment. So nine children, three bedroom apartments. You can imagine that's kind of a, you know, yeah. tough to grow up living, especially in your, you know, you're, you're growing up poor, you're in Boston, you're in a big city. You got to share an apartment with your, you know, nine other, eight other children. You know, it's tough to do, but he, uh, he dropped out of high school at the age of 14. He, unfortunately he kind of gravitated towards a life of petty crime and drugs um, he spent some time in prison for a violent assault. It involved also racism. So, you know, he kind of was, uh, you know, he was kind of a rough guy as a teenager. You know, he had a felony to his name. He spent time in prison for that, obviously. But then um, he said he learned how to be a better person in prison. Apparently he found God and things like that, which is fine. Um, one of his older brothers, Donnie, was a New Kids in the Block. And Mark was one of the original members of New Kids in the Block. But then he dropped out a little bit after that. He, he didn't he didn't want to be part of that band, but he did, he did his own thing. He became a rapper. And his name of his, his, his group was um, Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. Um, but he still couldn't escape the controversy of being uh, violent, homophobic, and racist for, you know, his teenage crimes that he, you know, you could read about it on Wikipedia. I'm not going to go over what he got arrested for, but it was violent. And there was a little racism there. But um, so he had some controversy. People like wanted to cancel him early on. Thankfully, he didn't get canceled, but he did drop the name Marky Mark to kind of clean up his image. 
Um, and then his big break, his big break came in Boogie Nights in 1997. But really, I think his big break was a movie called Fear in 1996. That was his first starring role. Um, I thought that was a very good movie. He kind of plays like an obsessive guy. He meets a girl. And she doesn't realize how crazy he is, how he's kind of like an obsessive, like dangerous person. Um, so I thought that was a very enjoyable movie. That was like his, that was really his first starring role. Because he had had minor roles and other like smaller roles around 90, 1995. Basketball really, Diaries. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, he had a small role in that with DiCaprio. But what really yeah. put him on the map was was uh, Boogie Nights. He played a porn oh, star, Dirk yeah. Diggler, and that he did a hell of a job playing that role. And that really put him on the map. I think that really re- repaired his image. Nobody thought about him as Marky Mark anymore, this punk rapper guy who had arrests as a teenager and all these violent crimes. So he started to repair his image. Um, but interesting fact about him, he was since he was convicted of a felony, he can't legally handle guns. So he did a movie in 2007 called Shooter, and they kind of had to like you know work around that. They let him go to a shooting range and shoot and stuff, but he's not allowed to like own a gun. I think because it's felony. Um, we're just learning a little bit more about him. He's very disciplined. Um, his discipline says it's afforded him a lot of other opportunities. He he actually has a family and stuff, but he goes he goes to bed around seven p.m. That's really early, Joe. I mean, 7 yeah. He wakes I up at two thirty. He wakes up at two thirty in the morning and he prays. He prays for like an hour, half an hour to an hour, or something crazy like that. And then he works out and then he starts his day around, you know, when his kids get up and then he, you know, takes care of family obligations and work obligations. But the man is disciplined as hell because the idea of going to bed at seven o'clock at night and then waking up at two 30, that takes a lot of discipline. Psychological, yeah, I, it's not easy to do. Yeah. I couldn't even think of it. I couldn't even think of it. Yeah. But no he way. says uh, he's always over delivered for people who are willing to take a chance on him, even during his rough childhood years, even growing up when he had all his issues as a kid, anytime someone would take a chance on him, he never let them down. Uh, he over he always over delivered. So I respect that about him because I like people like that. If you if you over deliver, if you don't, I hate people who under under deliver. They over promise and they under deliver. Anybody who over delivers about what they say, you got you got my respect. So it's, that's really it's not even over delivering. It's just as long as you deliver. As long as you, as long as you, uh, as long as you're straight, you know, as long as yeah, straight I think, with. I think over delivering is extra. That takes you to a different level, in my opinion. But well, know, it's my I, opinion, though, to satisfy me, though, as long as you do what you say and you say what you're going to do, you don't have to do anything extra. Just do what the hell you said you're going to do. Yeah, that, uh, that's to me, it's nice good. to keep your word. But, but he he lived by the mantra of discipline and over delivering. So I like I can vibe with that. Um, he had a him and his family started a, a burger chain called Wahlburgers. I've actually never eaten there because I don't think there's a Wahlburgers in New Jersey. No, um, or any. I haven't really visited a place where there was a Wahlburgers, but I definitely want to try it. But they had a reality TV show about the franchise, um, and he said uh, the only person who got raises for each season was his mom. So I thought that was pretty cool. He had his, he employed his mom, and he gave he, she was the only employee who got a raise every season. So he took care of his family. You know what I mean? Um, he credits all his personal and professional success to God. He's got a lot of faith in God because obviously that, that early childhood trauma and the crime and everything and going to prison, he found God. A lot of people find God. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, yeah. He, when he started doing good things, he said good things started happening to him. So it's kind of you know interesting how that works. So you start doing good things, you start living a better life, better things start happening to you. You know what I mean? Um, and he like when he makes decisions, he doesn't um, always make decisions on whether um, he's going to do something and compromise his artistic integrity. He hopes God is a movie fan. So he's willing to like do these things on the screen and to go against what God believes in for artistic integrity, but he just hopes that God's a movie fan. So, you know, 
I kind of like that. He's not like too religious to the point where he refuses to do certain things on set and take certain roles. Um, yeah, I like that. Yeah. No one is beyond redemption. God knows your heart, and but there's no fool in God. You can't fool God. You know, you can't fool him. That's, that's true. Yep. Um, so as far as the the movie, he's been in a ton of stuff. I mean, he started around 1996 was his first, like, you know, 95, 96 and 2023. So he's got almost 30 years of real acting experience in like legit things. Um, my top five, my number one is the, the departed. He was in the departed in 2006. <laughs> yeah. That was an excellent film, a Scorsese film. He was actually <laughs> nominated for an Academy award for best supporting actor. And yeah. the scene with him and Leonardo DiCaprio, um, DiCaprio was like interviewing for a job. And DiCaprio says, you know, he asked DiCaprio, he's like, what do you think we do around here? And DiCaprio says, I have an idea. And, and his uh, Wahlberg's character, Sergeant Dignam, he says, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'd say you have no idea and leave it at that. Uh, and he says, you know, if you had an idea of what we do, we'd be no good at what we do. We would be cunts. So that, that was pretty funny. <laughs> Because uh, right. it's basically the job is about being an undercover police officer, right? So that type of thing. So, you know, how would the guy who's never been an undercover police officer know exactly what he does? So he, he kind of, his whole character in that show, in the movie, he's kind of like a dick. And, right. um, you know, he's, he, he gets to play him because he gets to play a Boston, like accent and things like that. So I thought that was cool. But Departed, definitely my number one, far, far and away number one for me. Um, number two for me is Entourage. He was a producer and like one of the creators of that show, Entourage, on HBO for about six years from 2004 to 2010. Mm-hmm. I love that show. Amazing show. Number three, Father Stu. I know, Joe, you saw Father Stu. You liked it. Yep. Um, he actually says he wants to do more faith-based projects, which is kind of a breath of fresh air. If there's more faith-based projects in Hollywood, because Hollywood gets a bad name. Hollywood, people, people think that Hollywood's anti-God and they worship Satan. And they're just totally anti-religion. It's not true. They just don't want to force it in people's face. They don't want to, they don't want to make like films and just like preach God, but you can still have films with themes about God and values and still have, you know, so Hollywood's not anti-God, but he does want to do more faith-based stuff. So I'd like to see him do more of that. You know what I mean? It'd be pretty cool. Not overly religious stuff, but just more stuff that just kind of focuses that the people in the movie are believers in in something. You know what I mean? It gives them more uh, credibility as people, I think. When actually, you know, when you believe in something, just, you know, it's, it's also a stronger message for a lot of people because, you know, most of the planet does believe in something. Um, number four, number four, the movie Fear, this this first real starring role. Um, I thought he was excellent in that movie. He played a very scary character, gets obsessed with this girl and starts getting a little bit crazy. I love, I love movies like that where there's like stalker and obsession, like, you know, um, jealous ex-boyfriends and things like that. Those are like, I love those type of movies. And then number five, I'm going with Boogie Nights. That was made in 1997. He said Boogie Nights was very challenging and exciting. It was very challenging uh, playing a vulnerable character. And, you know, he had some funny lines in that. Like, he's a porn star and he's on the set and they're not ready to start the the, 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 the porn until like 20 minutes. And he's like, what's going on? You know, I'm ready to shoot. My cock is ready. So <laughs> he had some funny lines in that. Um I remember then, we were talking uh, about that too, and it, 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 they, it, they're asking him, like you know, that, the inevitable question people were asking him is like that. You know, is that was that that last scene? Was that re-? he says no, 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 no. He's wearing all kinds of stuff, specially built, put on, and this and that. Come on, I mean, like, come on, dude. So just for the record, um, Diggler was uh, was a fictitious character. You know what I'm saying? So oh, uh, I, I never tried to imply that he wasn't. I, I never thought that guy was a real character. So that wasn't about you. It was just in general. It was yeah, just, you yeah. Know, yeah, yeah. No, in other words, he wasn't hung like he was on that that picture. That was not 
it was not, it was a you know that was a Hollywood special effects deal. Oh, so you're <laughs> trying to mean. comment. You're trying to comment on our actor of the week's penis. <laughs> well, that that was the movie. That was the whole thing. That this dude was like you know super and. Yeah. And people would ask him, "Hey, was with can you? You've been honest with us." And he's like, "Hell no!" He says that thing was specially built and put on all kind of tape and glue and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Just for the record, that's all. Okay, I'm glad we glad we clarified that. <laughs> that's what the well, if you're going to bring up boogie nights, we got to talk about it. So yeah. Um, and then my honorable mentions is I like a lot. Of, a lot of he chooses his scripts. I like he chooses his scripts really well, and like a lot of the movies in like the subject matter, I really like. I mean. Six and seven for me for honorable mentions was Ted and Ted two. I thought Ted two was a really funny movie, but did you see that job with the teddy bear that comes to life? Yeah. I saw the original one. I didn't go yeah. watching three or four of them, but yeah, that was funny. I like that. And then he was in an under really underrated movie called pain and gain about like bodybuilders. And there was all this like crazy stuff that happens. I thought that was really underrated. Um, and then like, you know, the other movies that I really liked that he was in, you know, the other guys at Will Ferrell, Invincible, who plays the Philadelphia Eagles. Did you see that movie, Joe? The Philadelphia Eagles one about Vince? Yep. That was a great movie. Four Brothers, uh, Rockstar, Planet of the Apes, The Perfect Storm. So he's been in a ton of stuff, you know? Um, yeah. I liked Four Brothers. That was a good movie. Yeah. I remember Four Brothers very clearly because, like, my my friend and I, my good high school friend, Sean, uh, we watched, we rented Four Brothers one night. We watched Four Brothers and uh, – he was just saying, he's like, man, this movie's just full of like B and C actors. Um, and now I'm thinking about it now because Four Brothers was 2005. So maybe Wahlberg wasn't an A actor yet. So I got to talk to my friend about that. I'm like, man, can you believe that Wahlberg became like this big A-lister? Because like Four Brothers was kind of like, uh, I mean, he was probably the biggest star in the movie, but the other other people in the movie were like, weren't like huge stars. But it was just an ongoing joke with us. It was like, dude, like Four Brothers. How, how was the movie? Was it, was it as good as Four Brothers? So it became an inside joke. Anyway, I digress. I think Walt Wahlberg is an exceptional talent, phenomenal talent. He's turned his life around. He could have really his life could have went the other way. He could have been, you know, juvenile detention as a teenager, and he could have been a lifelong criminal, just in and out of the system. He didn't let that happen to him. He became a big star. He he followed the path to God. He's got a man of faith. You know, he does all the right things, it seems like, says all the right things. So I respect the hell out of the guy. Um, Joe, you have anything else to say about him? No, I think you wrapped it up. I think he wraps right, it up. So shout yep. out to Mark Wahlberg, man. You're one of the yeah, greats. Man. Joe, you agree. He's definitely A-list, right? Oh, he is definitely, yeah. Okay. Just checking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. You ready for the Snapple fact? Why not? Okay. You transfer more germs shaking hands than kissing. Wow. Are you surprised at that? Um... A little but not shocked. You know what I mean? A little but not shocked. And although you may transfer more germs by handshaking, I don't think those those germs are as detrimental to you as if you were kissing someone. You don't understand what I'm saying? I mean, the number that you, you have more, you're transferring more, but there's not as much. You're not in as much jeopardy as if you were swapping spits with someone and, um, you know, transferring less, but you're transferring it right there, you know in the saliva. So I, I, I think it's one of those deals, but yeah, just to put it in a box and say, yeah, you're actually transferring more germs by shaking hands with someone than kissing them. Doesn't mean it's safer to do. Yeah. I you think know what I'm saying? Fact, Snapple fact 739, I believe. Um, yeah. That's a number. 
But basically, there's there's numerous fat-laden crevices on our hands, and they're ideal breeding ground for microbes. I've always known this. I mean, I, I've been carrying a little bottle of Purell in my hand, in my <laughs> pocket, for like, you know, for over a decade now. I mean, I've used that Purell. Every time I touch a random surface, that Purell is on immediately, dude. My hands are always pretty clean. But when we talked about this, and the, the incident in the Panera bathroom where the guy was like, hey, you didn't wash your hands? I'd like to go back to that. But <laughs> my point is my... I'm always carrying that Purell, dude. But um, did you know that keyboards can harbor as much as 7,500 bacteria? Because um, keyboards, computer mount, mice, uh, and screens, they're breeding hubs for germs and viruses. So, you know, basically washing your hands regularly is the key to keeping the spread of harmful bacteria down. So Purell and washing your hands, sir, just, you do the world a favor. I dig it, but your body has this thing called an immune system, and it needs some stuff to do. So it, you don't want to bore it. You know, you don't want to die of boredom. You want to give it... Give us some stuff to do. Like, okay, fellas, let's go. Let's attack. The, you know, you're, you know, it needs to be, it needs to, like a car. It needs to run once in a while. So, you know, we're, we're equipping an immune system that'll, that should, supposed to help us. And it likes to, you know, it likes to work. But anyway, I All digress. Right, so as far as uh, Brian Koberger update, quick update on this man slash monster, probably a monster. Um, basically, his inmates are keeping an eye on him. They said he obsesses over TV coverage of his own case, and then he's turned the God. So, you know, he faces – and he's constantly being taunted by the other prisoners. So, listen, I'm not, I'm not mad that he's being taunted by the other prisoners. I'm not mad that he's trying to find God, but I do want justice. I do want this man to spend the rest of his life in prison or just have the death penalty or something like that. But it's kind of friggin' weird that the, the guy is like, you know, he's uh, – He's sitting and watching the news coverage of himself anytime he any any chance he gets. You know, they're all saying he's really obsessed with it. He watches himself on TV all the time. So what do you think about that, Joe? Well, that doesn't surprise me that he's got narcissistic tendencies. That doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise me that he's turning to God either. Maybe, maybe he thinks to himself, how did I let myself get to that point? And uh, hopefully, Sean. Now here's the thing though, like you said though has to be justice so if you if you look if you turn to god you want to swear up and down that that's fine but guess what there's no possibility of parole here cuz yeah. i don't care i don't care if you stack your room with 100 bibles and and take a bath in holy water every day i don't care i think it's good and i think you need to get right with god if you know you're still gonna have to pay for that you're still there's still gonna be a ticket you're gonna have to pay brah but I have no problem with you getting right with God. In the end, love wins, right? In the end, God wins. Your soul can. It's going to be a long road back, bro. It's going to be a long road back, but it can get back to him. But my point is, you're going to be doing all this from your cell until you die, brah. There's no chance of you getting back. So peace be with you, you know? Do do your stuff. Get in touch with God. Do whatever you got to do. But you're never ever a chance of parole and that's my thing that's my thing sometimes i get really pissed off and i say well he killed somebody kill that mother you know but at the same time then i got the, my better angel say look you know you never you know, this you don't have to kill to, to you know okay but not no chance of parole that's the key that's that's the big key that's that's you know especially for people who sean are committed and they they admit okay yeah and, and or they don't admit but it's it's so it's so cut and dry it's unbelievable there's there's no you know there's no um doubt about it 
Yeah. I have a difference, though, with some people who if a guy's jumping up and down saying, please, Your Honor, please, people, I didn't do this. I really didn't. You've got to believe me. And then you find out about 12 years later through DNA or whatever it was. It just used to be the case. He's innocent. He didn't do it. It's not his DNA there. Yeah. Something like that. So I, 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 I think we want to take these cases one by one and really look at them and so forth and so on. Um, but, yeah, how I feel about this guy, life in prison, if he's found guilty, which I think he will be, life in prison without the possibility of parole. And if you want to find God, bro, find God. I'm cool yeah, with said, that. Uh... He has his own private mass. He's in his own private cell. He's kept apart from the inmates. He said, uh, they said he always has the same expression. He, uh, he looks straight ahead. They never seen his eyebrows or mouth move. He never says anything. So, um, and the, the crazy part about this thing is the jail he's in, there's, there's windows in some of the cells. They, they face a quiet side street that's only 1.4 miles from the rental home where the four students who we killed are. So that jail is right near that house. It's pretty, you know, it's pretty kind of eerie. That is weird. That is weird. Um, okay. You ready to be stumped? Yeah. I'm hoping I'll do better this time. You did get me last time, but what the hell? It makes me about, what, 22 and 1? <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> okay, man. All right. First story. Judge was caught masturbating 15 times in court during trials. <laughs> story number two. Man walks into convenience store in Jason mask and shoots customers. Story number three, South Carolina woman arrested for sneaking tiger into motel six. Ooh. Um, okay. The guy pleasuring himself behind the bench fifteen times. You said, "Yes." How the hell do you even? How the hell do you even? Anyway, <laughs> uh, fifteen times is a lot because each time you'd have to he'd have to reestablish something. And I don't know fifteen. Uh, so I'm not going to go with the with the uh, the wacky judge per se. <laughs> um, I'm not going to go with. Um, I would have heard on the news about someone walking in with a Jason mask. And shooting somebody. I would have heard that on the news, I would think. This thing with a tiger being sneaked into a Motel 6 in South Carolina. Now, doesn't see how big the tiger was. Obviously, I don't think he was full grown here. The tiger was full grown. But maybe a tiger that's a year or two old, that's like a big dog. Maybe she was on the road. And maybe they... I I almost buy it. So I'm just going to go in my gut and say that's the one I buy. Okay, sir, you are, drum roll please, incorrect. Really? The real story is the judge was caught masturbating 15 times in court during trials. Okay, well, I, I, I don't, I just, wow. It's a real story, so ba- let me give you a little background here. It's oh, during trials. Judge. I thought you said one trial, like what, like one, like during one sitting. I'm like, hell did he? hey, you know, go ahead. But it doesn't matter. Um. Okay. So he 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 masturbated with a penis pump during trials. He was sentenced to four years in prison. I think this happened around like 2000. I just saw this article. It was all over the news, like in certain outlets. 
But I think it happened around like 2005. But it was a penis pump, dude. Yeah, he said he, he spent. He's an Oklahoma judge. What he the hell is that? He spent. You don't know what a penis pump is? No, sir. Uh, I've never you used put one. Some but kind of hydraulic equipment onto your. Apparently, like you can like just pump your penis up or something like that. It helps you maintain erections or help extra big. I don't know why are we. Wow. This, there's too much penis talk in the show, man. But let's just keep going. Yeah, this is well. Well, you brought up the. I had to. Well, I you had brought to, up the one about Wahlberg. To, the one about Wahlberg and the, the Dirk. Well, that was that whole movie. But I, I had yeah. to. I had to explain <laughs> that he explained that that wasn't really him. But go ahead. Yeah. Um. So he was an Oklahoma judge. He spent 23 years in the bench as a judge. Um, he was caught using the device under his robe. His name was Donald Thompson. He was forced to retire in 2004 and was later sentenced in 2006. He was 59 at the time. He got four felony counts of indecent exposure. Uh, was ordered to pay a $40,000 fine. Uh, so basically a court reporter named Lisa Foster, she said she saw him use the device on an almost daily basis, um, during an August, 2003 murder trial. And the, the trial, this is actually very sick. The trial, the man was accused of shaking a toddler to death. So during a trial about a man accused of shaking a toddler to death, this judge started putting a penis pump and masturbating. I mean, it's just really grotesque and bizarre. Um, yeah. That's... Like, what, what kind of world are we living in? I mean, I don't even know sometimes, man, but. Um, wow. Yeah. That's so weird. it happened. It's very shocking, very bizarre. Um you know, it's just because think about the state of mind, the, the fact that he's a judge and then while he's in court as a judge, he starts doing these weird things. And then the case involves a, a shaking the cho- toddler to death. It's like this guy is so messed up. It's not even funny. I, I that's why I really I, I didn't believe that. And I thought you were talking about like, um, you know. I, I thought you were talking about like 15 times in a row he went in and like, what the hell? Just the biology is like, whoa, how do you, but even at, even during the course of 15 days or whatever it is for, for, and then he's got equipment that he's bringing in with him. I don't know. That whole thing is, I'm glad I got the goddamn thing wrong, to be honest with you. So, so sick and weird. Just, just to give you an idea of how, how scumbag this guy, guy is, he spent 20 months in prison. He was released um, in 2008, but then in 2009, he was convicted of controlling a vehicle while under the influence. Then in 2011, he was convicted of driving under the influence again. And then um, in 2011, also, he was convicted of stalking an ex-girlfriend. So it's amazing how this guy was a judge for so long. And he was such like a slime ball and weirdo. He maintained like a pretty prestigious job for 23 years. It's like wild. You know what I mean? You know. In every profession, all the way across the board, you may have like one or two percent of the people. You hope you never come across these jokers, but they—they're out there, brah. So, you know, what are you going to do? All right, let's move on to uh, current event. The current event is from the New York Times. It's called "Is There an Ethical Way to Kill Rats? Should We Even Ask?" Welcome to this rat trapper's dilemma. So, basically, um, in New York City, there's a big rat. Uh, problem and you know the reasons for controlling the urban rat population is because they can spread disease to humans they cause plagues and stuff dude they're dangerous i mean they destroy property they damage native ecosystems but one of the the ethical moral dilemmas is that they're cognitively advanced social animals um so it raises a lot of issues because like the glue the glue traps that leave the rats starving for days before they die the poison leads to a slow, painful death and can and also endanger other wildlife. 
Um, the standard wooden snap traps, they catch their limbs and tails and yeah. it forces the rats to gnaw them off in desperation. Yeah. Um, the live catch traps, they're difficult to implement. Um, uh, and when, when many rats are stuck together in the same place without food, they sometimes eat one another. So it's, it's a very interesting subject. Um, there's a, there's a famous like YouTube channels where like people show rats being executed and some of the views get like 5 million views. It's, it's wild. People are like so messed up. They want to see rats like really like inhumanely killed. Like one, one video has like 5 million views. It's like, it's someone using an airsoft gun to like kill a whole nest of rats. Like, it's like, why would you want to watch that stuff? Um, yeah, it's, I don't, I don't like to see anything suffer uh, or die or anything like that. The rat infestations, they're usually more of an industrial undertaking than, than mouse infestation, infestations are because, um, mouse mice are easier to kill than rats. Uh, they're uncomplicated. They go for whatever food source is available. And because they're small, they're easy to dispatch, but rats are bigger. They're smarter. Um, and only about 65% of the rats that trigger the snaps die. They usually will go free and outsmart the trap. They swipe out the bait safely. Uh, they're wary of new things like the traps. Um, so there's a whole like thing, like whole YouTube thing where this guy reviews mouse and rat traps. Um, it's really like a whole thing that's going on. Thankfully, I live in an area where we don't really have rats. Um, but you know, the primary species of rat in New York and Los Angeles is called the Rattus norvegius. It's a brown rat. It's a mid-sized rodent with a whip-like tail and resilient, intuitive, and remarkably fissoned. Um, they live in colonies. They establish networks of tunnels in which they play, groom one another, and touch noses in acts of recognition. Also, just hearing all about this, dude, they also uh, they have a large collection of facial expressions. They can sense the emotions of others. So think about that. Before you want to exterminate all these animals and things like that, because we're just talking about how like the other aliens who might exist might think that we're like so like like plankton. This is how we're like kind of viewing rats because they could say those aliens think like, okay, those human beings are causing trouble and the things that, that we consider rats do, they cause all these problems and disease and everything. They could start, just not to get another topic, but that's what we were talking about earlier, but it's kind of scary to think about. So my point is, are we that much more advanced than rats to the point where we should just inhumanely be like exterminating and killing all these things? But it's like we have, like, we don't really have a lot of choice because they're causing so much chaos. They're spreading disease. They're damaging property. They're causing millions of dollars of damage. Uh, but the thing is, they, spawn, they, they fall into a special category of things that we don't want to exist. So it's easier to like hate them because it's easier to kill them because we don't know a lot about them. So the more you know about them, the more you learn. They have facial expressions. They have emotions. They can read each other emotions. They, they help each other out. They do all those little things like humans do. It's, you know, it's harder to kill them, right? Um, I'm just curious, Joe, what do you think about this? I mean, it's, it's, we can't, we can't simply just catch them and release hundreds of them. Cause we're going to, we're going to catch and release them. Where, where do we possibly release all these rats? Because human, human beings brought their brown rats to North America. Um, we destroyed the, the habitat of the, all the rats, potential predators, and we created environments for them where they can thrive. And now they keep breeding and more and more rats. Um, well, the were, rats were here before we were, weren't they? I mean, before any people were here, I would think. I mean, I'm think- not. I'm not entirely sure about rats specifically, but I do know that human beings brought the rats to North America. So I don't know the whole origin of the rats and what they're here before humans or what the hell's going on. But yeah, I guess we brought some on a boat, so that you know, here or there. But I think, I think the, the rodent, the the rodent was probably running around before, it, like with the with the Native Americans, and even before then, probably I would think, like insects and so forth. But I don't know. I don't know the origin, but. Um, let me just put it this way. Uh, 
I I don't like the idea of infestation of any type, dude. I'm just that way. The rats are absolutely pests, and they're dangerous, and they could like they could cause they could cause a whole freaking plague. They could they could be the end of like human society if they cause another plague that that wipes us all. Um, that they're dangerous and stuff. And I know they they have emotion like you you know they have emotions and things like that, but like they don't really do anything like that's like positive productive for society. So as a society, we have to kind of just think to ourselves, it's like, what is like the downside of like exterminating these rats? Like God could be judging us and killing another form of life, but the rats are causing chaos, dude. Yeah. I mean, you gotta, you gotta see when you gotta start see what you're doing as far as messing with that whole, the whole ecosystem and so forth and so on. Like, I think they do eat a lot of insect life and, and insects are, are just as, as irritating and, and, you know, not fun to be around as, you know, I don't want, I don't want cockroaches. I don't want cockroaches. I don't like crickets. I don't like anything like that. I don't like mice. I don't like, now when I say I don't like them, I, I don't like them. Like, I don't want them showing up at my front door. I don't want them, you know, I don't want to find them. And then not me, knock on wood. I don't, and I, I really, you know, uh, I lived through, uh, when I had a two story house in a nice neighborhood and everything like that. Um, I lived through a little bit of a mice infestation, which I got in, to, got it taken care of but it was not fun it was very unnerving and it was like what in the hell you know just living out in the country let Pardon? me give you a couple of quick facts real quick um they cause an estimated 20 billion in damage annually in the united states that's just in the united states they're causing 20 billion in damage they gnaw through electrical wires they burrow in walls of buildings they feast on crops they they produce so prolifically um it's like it's like insane i mean they, they they render most of their the poisons that they try to kill them with useless because they're so they're, they're producing so quickly we can't keep up with them, um, but they do experience regret. They have altruism, um, you know. They uh, you know, but they they can survive and almost any kind of food too. Fruit, grain, worms, trash, feces, carcasses like these things are like impossible to really get rid of, and like they're not really doing anything. Like you're saying, it's part of the eco. If it's part of the whole ecosystem. Where are they in the ecosystem in terms of like being in New York City and ruining buildings and people's apartments and stuff? And- yeah, that's the thing. I, I I don't think the ones in 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 the city are really gonna you know. So I mean, until you start talking about going out into the wild, and but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the ones that we see in in the cities and in suburbia, and you know, we don't want. No one wants to wake up and see a rat running across the you know the floor. That that's that's like whoa, freak out time. Um, I say that I don't have any problem with with finding a way to to keep you know the mindset that we we should get rid you know because you you were talking about like well what if aliens thought well if we went to a different a different u- universe and a different planet and we landed there then we might become a hindrance to them they might think like what are they doing here they're they're they cool. but that's not the case that's not that's so that's not the case here we're not bothering anybody as humans any extraterrestrials we are our own little spot now if, if the rats had their own little planet well, how that do, would well, Joe, be- let me stop you there how do, how do you know like how do you know let's say there's another advanced like aliens right and they're like keeping an eye on us how do you know they don't consider like planet earth one of their like uh precious like pieces of property or land that they own and like they feel like human beings are hurting their like just like the people in the city feel like the rats are ruining their the buildings the infrastructure all this stuff how do you know, like, I'm just, this is, this is me going far-fetched thinking, but how do you know they don't think that we're like, we're kind of like rats? Like you said this earlier, like, we're like plenty of them. What if we're like their version of rats? That's the scary part. 
that 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 is and i i i'm using proximity like we're on the same planet right the, the yeah. people and the rats exactly. and to to draw the comparison we we what well, we'd leave here and we go on to where they are and start hanging out on their planet but maybe you're right maybe maybe their arm of ownership reaches across the galaxy across space and everything and and it, it can they can consider like our planet earth here that little blue one yeah that's <laughs> the, that little blue one out there yeah that's pretty cool but you know those the you know those the top of the food chain there right now for the moment they, they think that this and that and but they're really look what they're doing to the ozone look what they're doing here look what they do to yeah. each other uh, you know maybe it's time to so you're right it is that's actually that's actually uh, that's that's a neat concept but um but what i'm what i'm for for the immediacy of this thing here dude because it's like dude i listen I don't, I, I, I'm not afraid of a cockroach. I'm not afraid. It's not going to hurt me, but it's gross and I don't want to be around a son of a bitch. And also it, 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 it's indicative that there's squalor somewhere if you're around a cockroache, right? Now, same thing with mice. Now, in the case, um, in the case of the house I was talking about, it was way, it was out in the country. It was a two story house. It was a crawl space and around the outside of the, uh, the house, um, someone had the bright idea of laying compost down, like to make compost. And it's like compost is like you're inviting all kinds of shit like that. To, so, and it was a minor mouse problem, but we, I had it taken care of and everything was cool. Um, but we're talking about, like, I hear people talk about they live in New York City in these great apartments and this and that, but they have a, a rat. And it's like, what the hell? <laughs> so I am for, and I hate to say it, but I'm, look, I'm for, you you dudes need to go find somewhere else to live and if you come around here i'm sorry i'm going to have to it's going to have to but i i like the fact of being humane i like the i i like the idea that we're so advanced technologically we should be able to 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 figure out some kind of a way to get these things to you know terminated in the nicest way you can like maybe one of the, joe one of the problems like if we release them in, say they get all the rats out of new york city and they release them into the woods they could damage existing ecosystems and no one wants the rats as pets um so it's like what can you possibly do with them you know what i mean like the ones in the city because because the ones out in like the the woods and stuff they're they're food for predators and scavengers like hawks eat them foxes eat them bobcats eat them wolves eat rats but they're causing problems in like, you know, non like wild environments, like the city, they're causing 20 billion of damage just in the United States. 20 billion is a lot of money, dude. It's like, so it's, I don't know. I, I really don't know unless somebody built some complex, like huge rat colony, like that they could like live in like buildings and just like keep them contained. But it's like, how big would that facility be? And how ridiculous would it be? You know, just leave them all in this one big building and they all just kind of exist. Like how, but then like, but then, they still have to figure out how to get them out of the other buildings in the city. They don't want them in. So it's a really complex issue, dude. Very complex issue. I wish they would, but we are, like I said, we have technology. I mean, we, dude, we can put, you know, put, put equipment on Mars. We could put man on the moon. We should be able to figure out, figure out a way where we can attract these things, attract them to a certain um, big, like a, some kind of a, a big device or something and then <laughs> shut the doors and shut the doors and uh, through aerosol right gas uh, gas them because that's not a bad way to go it really isn't it's not yeah, a bad you know these like i like i was saying bro the things that they the things that they survive on the things that they eat to survive on is absurd oh yeah oh they, yeah it's just like nothing that, like 
even straight up poison can't kill these rats. It's like, you know, it's like, it's like, it's so complex and it's so, uh, gas or, or electricity, like a a quick boom, you know, like a bug zapper, something like that. But I, I think we ought to, we ought to keep investigating ways to see the problem here is, the, the people that and, and and I've spoken to exterminators and this and that they 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 become immune to this they become a well it is what it is you know they 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 break their neck on a they have to you know they get snapped on a wooden trap and they lay there for a couple hours that's the way it goes ah they you know some people drown them they'll take them they'll take the wooden uh, the wooden they'll take the glue traps and they'll see this thing like struggling on a glue trap and drop it into a bucket of water. You know, that kind of a thing. And I, I think it's like, oh, my God, I can't even, you know, the, that kind of, uh, I just, but I think the people that, that that are responsible for carrying out these deeds eventually become immune to, they become desensitized, and they'll kill them any way that's most convenient. They don't, yeah, they well, don't. Do you see that Mayor Adams in New York City, he offered a, he had a job, this went viral. He offered a job, uh, a person just specifically just to kill rats and who, who's bloodthirsty. The ad said you have to be bloodthirsty. They want a person just to go around New York City just killing rats. They're they're paying a lot of money for that too. Yeah, and I I, I that's the they thing. Call, I mean, they call the job they call the job a rat czar, C Z A R rat czar. Yeah. You have to be bloodthirsty. It's like wild, dude. Yeah. So I mean, that, therein lies the rub. That that what I'd like to see done is, yes, I understand they can't be part of our. They they got it. If they can split and go their own way, they're fine. But it's this. It's the same way. We you get a little bit of a. You, you ever see these little, the tiny little bugs, like the little silverfish? They call them. Yeah, the those tiny, things are disgusting, dude. They are, and every they have like, once they have in like thirteen a, legs, right? They got a crap load of legs. Yeah, and every once in a blue moon, not often, every once in a blue moon, I'll see one like on the bathroom floor. I don't see very many at all. I mean, they, they, they're they ubiquitous. They can come up from anywhere. They can come up from the drain or whatever. And I said, once in a blue moon. But my philosophy is, um, you know, I'll go in there to the bathroom real quick, do what I got to do, and step over them. And it's like, dude, if I see you back here, <laughs> this is just my my man. If I if I don't want to see you again next time I come through here, cause cause I don't like to kill anything. But I'll think to myself, if I come back here again in two hours or three hours or whatever it is, and you're still here, it's going to be all it's going to be all she wrote. Then I just I I just get a napkin or whatever, grab and and you know whatever. Um, but I, even them, I try to give a, a chance to like, dude, if I don't see you in two hours and you're gone, get out of here. Because even a little silverfish, I don't like to kill anything. I feel bad, man. But I, if I have to, I will. Um, I don't want to see any rats or any mice or anything go. But in this case, they got to find their own space and and learn not to invade ours they got to learn that we're not living together and they, they, they it's something they just got to learn we have to do our our part of it and not leave trash laying around and junk laying around and food laying around and so forth and so on we have to do our part um but at the end of the day i'm i'm for of course i'm for that we can't live with them bro. so um do away with them absolutely if they're in our way but do away with them in a humane fashion and i think gassing them is probably getting them together in 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 a place and gassing them um is probably you know or that at least that that methodology i don't know how exactly how it would work like you said if you get too many of them in one place at one time they could start cannibalizing who knows i don't know but the problem is we have the technology to do a lot of things we won't invest a lot of technology in this because you and i might be bothered a little bit by seeing how these things die 
But like I said, the people who do this all the time, you know, that kind of a thing, eh, you know. Yeah, but one of the issues is like there's a couple of YouTube channels up. Um, and I YouTube won't watch any of that. They're showing the rats dying inhumanely. Yeah, I'm not going to watch like there's that. One, there's a one, um, the view counts are crazy. I mean, there's one where the guy, um, he's using like a, uh, some sort of tool, a screwdriver or bulk. Like it's just really inhumane things. It's like, just, just there's some sick people out there. You know what I mean? It's like, why, why would you want to watch the rats die like that? It's like, we have to be sick in the head. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think when people see a rat, they, they, they see these, if you really look at these things, they're cute little suckers. It's hard to get mad at them. They look, they look like mice and rats. They're, 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 they're cute little, the, the face and the whiskers and everything. <laughs> I think, I think the problem that a lot of times these people that, that they see a rat and they, they, the word hate comes to mind or whatever. Yeah. And they just feel like because it's a rat, I could do what I want with it. I can, you know, I can. And I think that's, uh, like I said, I mean, I, I can't even. I even give a silverfish time to, to, to like get their shit together and get out of here. Kind of a thing. I can't even, I, and, and once or twice I laid my own traps for mice and I felt terrible. I felt terrible. I've, I've, I've actually in the past, cause I, I read, I was reading some books about like, you know, we're talking about Eckhart Tolle and things like that about yes. how like there's a reaction, to every action and things like that. Like, so I, I really try not to kill bugs either. Like I'll try to like put it in a cup and like carry it outside if I have to, yeah. to get it out of the house. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I know what you're saying, man. It's like, a, I think it's different. Like killing a fly is so easy. We're so immune to it. We grow up like as, as kids, like just killing a fly is normal. It's like, okay, that fly is annoying you. Just get the fly slaughter out and just smack that thing to death. I think people from a young age get immune to just killing these, these smaller insects and hopefully not animals. Um, hopefully they're just killing the insects, but like, it really can just like make people think like not appreciate value life that much. They just think, okay, they're just bugs, you know, but you think about it, like, okay, God or someone, the bugs are here for a reason. So let's, let's think about this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that way about all animals. I really do all the big and small and so forth. And like I said, with that, uh, even a fly, I'll wave at it and say, you know, hope it gets the hell out of here. That kind of a thing. We won't try to, you know, um, I guess I have in the, in my lifetime at some point. And like I said, even other, um, I don't see too many, but uh, even if you see a, if you see a spider and it's not gigantic, but it's just small, you just kind of disturb it a little bit so it scurries away and goes its own way and finds its own little, you know, own little what, crevice what about, somewhere. What about like a bee, though? I'll give you an example. Like you know that a bee can sting you and really hurt you. Like it's it's a really minor pain, but it hurts when you get stung by a bee. Um, right. Would you? Are you more apt to like want to kill a bee just to prevent it from hurting you? I'm more apt to, if it's in my face, I'm going to swat at it and not even really trying to hit it, but just swatting so it knows that I'm swatting and then have it fly around. And Because what if you know, like, if you kill that bee, it's not going to sting anyone else. Like, forget about stinging you. As long as you eliminate that bee, you're preventing someone else from being stung. Um, yeah. and I know this is getting – because bees bees don't really want to sting people. Bees are, right. you know, my understanding, bees are just like there and like stinging is kind of defensive, I think. But like right. the point is like if you know you can prevent other people from suffering from that bee or from that rat, it's like there's some, you know, there's some little justice in there, right? No, I don't think of it that way because that bee is not necessarily going to sting anyone. You know, it's it's not. It's not necessarily going to sting anyone. But what I do is try to get away from it, or if it's inside, I open the thing and try to get that thing flying outside. Now, if if I'm at it for for a long time and it's still not leaving, it's like, dude, 
I gave you a chance. I'm sorry, bro. I gave you, you know, and I, I will give that thing every chance to like to, to push it out and to oh, open the front door, open the back. I try to get it out. But if I can't, you get the fly swatter and you just, you wail it and bang, it's over if you have to. I mean, you know, but my point is there's a point where I, I you know, there, there, before all that, there's a point where I try to, to do the right thing with, the, with, with, just just i don't like to kill i don't wouldn't want to kill any damn thing um and if you have to you have to uh probably he's not going to live that long anyway i mean you know certain insects don't live that long anyway or whatever but i just don't like i just figure you know give a poor little guy a shot to get out of here or whatever uh that's just the way i am now with the like i said with these with the, the the reason why a lot of money and time will not be invested into figuring out new ways and more humane ways to dispose of these things because although disturbing to you and you and you and i this 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 these methods they're cheap and that first of all they're cheap and for a lot of people the bottom dollar is the bottom dollar it's hey you know one we're gonna go you know I'm not going to go crazy here and try to find you humane ways to kill these things. I don't give a damn. I don't want them costing me money. And the second is the people that do the deeds, usually the exterminators and people like that, they don't feel like we do. They just, it, it's, 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 they're so, they're so used to it. It's, they joke about it and stuff. They could care less. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not saying that in a bad way. I'm saying that they become desensitized by doing their job. So yeah. it is what All it right. is. So that's current event. Uh, there is a rap problem. What do we do about it? Uh, let's move on to sports. I know what you um, do. You sports, throw a bunch sir. of cats out there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so sports, man. Did you hear that Jimmy Garoppolo just signed a uh, three-year deal with the uh, Raiders? I did hear that. Three years. Yeah. This, this man's amazing. The man is such an average quarterback. I'm not saying he's bad, but he's injury prone. He's very average. He's not very clutch. He's okay, but he keeps getting more and more money. You know, the, the guy just figured out a way to get $68 more million from another team. I mean, I think he's made over close to $200 million in his career. I really do. Yeah. He's, uh, he's, that shows you what the, what the quarterback position is right just about because now. Because he just does just enough just to be considered a non, you know, below average quarterback because he has his little moments. He could be a game manager. He was, you know, he played under Brady. So they, had, they associate him with Tom Brady and Belichick. And I don't know. He just, and he, he's always hurt. There's always something going on with him. So and the Raiders just got rid of Derek Carr. So I'm not really sure why the Raiders want him instead of just giving a younger guy a chance and just maybe having a couple bad years. But we'll see what happens in, uh, in Vegas, you know? Yeah. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Um, I don't know what's going on with the last I heard this morning. I heard something about um, uh, what's his name, um, Green Bay. Um, come on, oh, Rogers. 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 Apparently, apparently, there's already a deal in place. Like the Jets are all ready to get Aaron Rodgers, and now it's all up to Aaron Rodgers. It's, it's his call. Yeah, and I heard something late this afternoon that oh, it's a done deal. And then about an hour and a half later, I heard, well, not just yet. <laughs> so it's one of those things that that it was, it was. Aaron Rodgers tweeted something. He's like, "You'll you'll you'll find out very soon. Like he's going to make a decision very soon." So yeah, I hate that every off season it always involves Aaron Rodgers. It's like he seems like a really cool, chill guy, but he seems to have some issues. He's always in different relationships. He never can keep the same girl for a long time. Never settles down and gets married. He's almost forty years old. I'm also thirty six and not married either. But I'm not an NFL quarterback. I don't have a ton of women throwing themselves at me. What I'm saying is. 
in football, like the contracts, he's always debating retiring or he wants to get traded or wants a better contract. Now it's like he wants to go to another team. It's like he's just so dramatic. And I don't know if he does. He does. He, I don't think he really wants to be dramatic, but he is. Yeah, I, I think he likes attention. I think he likes to put on Sports Center and see everyone talking about him. That's what I think. I really I do. Do you think that's part of it? Do you think he really? I think it's part of it. Not the whole thing, but I think it's part of it. Yeah, he's a, he's a hell of a talent. But like I said, it's just. He's dated some famous women like Danica Patrick, that NASCAR driver. Or is she is she IndyCar or NASCAR? No, I think she's NASCAR, right? Olivia Munn. She's dated yeah, he's, he's dated Olivia oh, Munn. Um he's dated this other actress. Uh she's pretty famous. Shailene uh, Woodley. Shailene Woodley, yep. Um yep. Yeah. so you know, I don't I don't know. That's his personal life, right? But it's but what I'm saying is it's personal and professional. He's always in the news for something. It's like he seems a very stable, down to earth guy, but he's always in the news for something like crazy like that, like a, a breakup or or something going on that happened on vacation or going to some like he's he spent some time recently in a retreat just sitting in the dark for like he was supposed to be there for a couple of weeks, I think, but he left early. But he's always doing something like you know, starving himself or sitting in the dark. He's always trying to figure something out. <laughs> yeah, he's he is he's he's a little different. He's he's one of the most talented quarterbacks ever, though, I'll say that. And oh, yeah. he seems like a cool guy, but he's just always, always in the news, especially in the NFL offseason. You always count on hearing about Aaron Rodgers taking the spotlight from someone. Yeah, one time I thought he was, um, and I mean, bar none, I thought he was the best talent I've ever seen at that position throwing the ball. I really did. And, I had, and before, that, he came, before he became a superstar, I had a dream about Aaron Rodgers being like, I had a dream where he was like, he won the Super Bowl. He was like, everyone considered him like the best quarterback in football. And I went into the gym. My friend was working at the gym. My friend, Matt, I was like, dude, I had a dream about Aaron Rodgers. I think our fantasy football draft was coming up. And I was like, dude, this guy's going to be special. It's just a stupid, like, lucky he became very good. But but I had a dream about this guy becoming a fucking superstar. Yeah. What's the first curse of the show, by the way? I think it's dropped. I let the F-bomb slip down. Well, you, well, you're $45 now, but don't worry about it. We'll work something out. Um, so, but, yeah, I, I – I thought just raw talent that Dan Marino was the best passer I've think, ever seen. And this is like Dan Marino that's mobile. That's but is the there way an argument to be made that Ed Harris might be better than Aaron Rodgers at football? Ed Harris? Um, I know he's one hell of a football coach. I, I, I think uh, I think we've seen him in that role before, too. But, uh, look, nobody's better than Ed Harris. There's there's Ed Harris, and then there's everybody else, you know. But, uh, no, um, I noticed my, my Eagles lost uh, – they lost uh, Hargrove today, Hargrave, to the 49ers. Uh, and unfortunately, well, fortunately, Jason Kelsey's going to stay on another year at center. That's good. And we've got his replacement. We drafted his replacement, uh, Jurgens, uh, last year. But the, the kid's learning under, under Kelsey, which is good. So, and he'll have another year to learn. But I think next year, unfortunately, um, with the people they're losing on defense, I, I, I don't know. They're still going to have the best offense in the NFC, certainly. Um, maybe in all of football, I don't know. I didn't but, realize that uh, Javon def- Hargrave. Javon Hargrave. He's they signed him to an eighty-four million dollar deal. Was he that good? Who signed him? The Forty ers They signed yeah, the he, Eagles. He signed an eighty-four million dollar deal with the Forty ers Yeah. Yeah, uh, he he had, I, but I think he's really good. He's really good, but I don't think he's that good. But I think he's using those numbers. I think he had, I don't know how many sacks he had this year, but he had quite a few. 
like a whole lot. And I think he's just using the fact that it's his, he's, he's a free agent and he had a hell of a year that because of those yeah, numbers. He had, 11 sack, he had 11 sacks this year. He had 7.5 sacks last year. His first year with the Eagles, he had 4.5. But he's been in the league since 2016. He's, he's not that young, dude. He's like, this is going to be his like eighth year, I think. Yeah. And that's probably why I've come to the point where with this kind of stuff, I'm going to trust Howie. Howie Roseman, the GM for the Eagles. I'm going to trust him. Um, the same way they're, 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 they're dealing with Slay, uh, with Darius Slay. They want to keep him, but they're not going to throw like, you know, everything, like all kind of big time money at him. We, we listen, we got to pay the quarterback who I am also, unfortunately, I'm not 100% sold just yet, Sean. I mean, look, the kid's doing well. He's, he's coming along. He's all those things that I talked to you about last summer, the accuracy and the arm strength. He's worked on those things and you can work on those things and get better. He still doesn't have a cannon, but he can get the ball downfield and that's all you really want. And he can throw a rope uh, uh, fairly, you know, he, he, it's adequate, but his, his, um, his acumen has improved and his accuracy has improved. His leadership is there. His kid's got a great head on his shoulders and I'm comfortable with him being a quarterback here, but I still would feel more comfortable after one more year of this. You see, too many times you see this quarterback and, and they make progress and they come on and they have this one year and everyone thinks they've arrived and all of a sudden, boom, a la Dak Prescott, right? Boom. Um, a la this kid from 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 Buffalo, you know, everyone two years. Oh, he is just astronomically the better, the better, and all the horse shit that these guys sling on these talk shows. Until this year, what happened this year? Started off had a couple good games, and he went right into the shitter. So I don't know. I still don't know about Jalen. I hope that he's going to continue to ascend. And I hope I'm not sitting here a year from now going, see, he hit the wall too. And now they're fooled. And now they're on the hook with this kid for four more years for all this big money. And he, because say what you want. I like the kid and all those things I just said are true, but he had the best offensive line of football. He had two outstanding number one receivers on either side of him, wide receivers. He had a, a, an all all American tight end. He had a, a running game that was unbelievable. So, I mean, he had things around him. So I'm not so sure he's the next coming of, you know, Peyton Manning or whatever the case may be. I need one more year with Jalen to really know, but unfortunately we got to do something with him before then. So we'll see, but we, we, we can't be throwing money at everybody and Darius Slay. He's up over 30 now. And I mean, this is the time where, you know, you have to be really smart. And I'm just going to leave it to, to, um, to Howie because I think he's got a pretty good feel for this and we'll see what goes on. We'll see what they do in the draft, but, um, they're going to have a, they're still going to have a dynamite offense next year, but defensively they're losing people left and right here. So. I'm just hoping they can hold on to one guy and that's, that's, uh, CJ Garner, that safety. He's 25 years old. 25 years old and he's really talented hard-nosed smart he can play the slot he can play uh you know slot corner he can play safety he's really good so i hope they can at least hold on to him but they're going to lose some guys and we'll see what happens um and you never know with 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 football in the nfl you don't you don't know what's going to happen so um it would be nice to think of them getting back to the super bowl next year but it might just be one of those years where they just have to you know just retool, win, win nine, ten games, get a playoff appearance, and then you know it's just because there's just too much going on this off season. So we'll see.
Yeah. One thing I'm excited about, besides obviously NFL free agency and the draft coming up, but college basketball, it's it's like the fuck it's like the golden era of um the golden time of the, the season because it's March Madness. But then this year I'm actually gonna be watching some of the NIT, the National Invitation Tournament, which is like a it's like the fake tournament. It used to be like the real tournament before the NCAA tournament. Now the NCAA tournament is the, the big deal. But Villanova, we didn't make the NCAA tournament. There's the only chance we had, like I said, we had to win the Big East tournament. We got killed by Creighton on Thursday night, so that dream was over with. But we did get an invitation to the National Invitation Tournament, NIT. Uh, our first game is Tuesday night at Liberty at 9 o'clock. So it's something to look forward to. The finals, semifinals and finals are in Vegas um, at the end of March. And I'm not probably going to go, but I might mess around and maybe take a trip to Vegas if we make the semifinals. I'm not sure. Probably not, but... So it's something to look forward to. I get, to, I get to at least follow Villanova in some capacity in the postseason, even though NIT is kind of like a joke. Um, but as far as March Madness goes, I was shocked when I heard that Rutgers didn't make this, the field. Because Rutgers, like, you know, their record wasn't, like, amazing. I think they were, like, 19 and 14. But they had they had five quad one wins. Quad one means some of the best teams in the country. They had five quad two wins. They're undefeated in quad four games. They're ranked, I know this sounds really alien and foreign to a lot of people who don't know college basketball, even to you, Joe, but like these these numbers matter. I mean, they're ranked 35, 35th in Ken Palm, um, 26th in ESPNs. So I don't know. I thought Rutgers got snubbed. And it's a long history of Rutgers men's basketball not having a lot of success. But the, the couple of years they have success, they get snubbed. Like a couple of years ago, they were supposed to be do really good in the tournament. And then COVID happened and the tournament was canceled. So I just feel really bad. I think Rutgers definitely should be in the tournament, but I'm happy that my friend uh, schools made it. Arizona State, they got in. They're in a play-in game, um, so I'm happy Arizona State's in. I don't really have a dog in the field or a horse in the fight, whatever the hell you call this thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm rooting for Villanova in the NIT, and I'm gonna I'm gonna fill out a bracket, and hopefully my bracket does okay. Because um, I followed more NBA this year than college basketball. I followed Villanova very closely, but I was. I was more into the NBA this season, but I'm still a diehard college fan. I love it. Well, we don't um, have but, a team here, Sean. This is the first time, the first time, and I don't know how long that the Philadelphia, yeah, no, no Philadelphia school is invited. Yeah. So, I mean, even if like, you know, for you, yeah, you're crazy. more crazy, but yeah, um, I don't know who's going to win. I, I haven't filled my bracket yet, but um, I don't, I really don't know. Alabama is playing really good lately, but then Alabama also had some weird losses. So Alabama can lose to like really bad teams too. They could beat really good teams. Alabama has the most potential, I feel like, but I think Arizona has a good shot. Arizona has been looking pretty good. Um, I don't know. I got to fill up my bracket. I have till Thursday to fill it out. Um so, yeah, I mean, hey, if you ever get a chance and this is on the subject, but slightly off. But if you ever see these 30 30s on ESPN, there's 30. one they're doing on Paul Westhead was an old coach from way back in the day. Paul Westhead and he ran this fast break. He was fast break offense. I mean, he yeah. just like like Greyhounds. He used to coach the Lakers, as a matter of fact, but yeah. Magic Johnson. Okay. But they're doing this thing on him. And while they're doing it on him, they have to include his college prodigy which was Hank Gathers, and Hank Gathers was from Philadelphia. I don't know if you're familiar with that story, Sean, but Hank Gathers yeah, had – All I know about Paul Westhead is that I watched a show on uh, HBO called Winning Time about the Lakers dynasty, and okay. he was the coach for a short – they had a character playing him, you know, a, fiction, a, a real actor playing him, playing his role, mm-hmm. um, and that's all I really knew, you know, from that show. Oh. I, think, I think he might have uh, 
if I'm not mistaken, I think he might have got he was riding his bicycle and got like run over or something like that and got really injured at one point. Anyway, I digress, but yeah, I'm gonna check it out, man. Hank, he was a, he coached Hank Gathers, you said. Right. Well, what happened was um, that's how he got the head coaching job. He was the assistant coach, and the head coach I think got into a bicycling accident. He was so it was. He said it was only just just me and the trainer and the janitor left, so they gave it to me. He's being humble, but he was the assistant coach. He took over for the Lakers. Magic Johnson didn't like his philosophy, so Magic. It was either him or Magic. So, you know, the owner chose, obviously, Magic. So, but Paul Westhead went on to coach college basketball, but he maintained that Greyhound style that got to run up and down. And he went to uh, Loyola Murraymount, where he uh, drafted a kid from Philadelphia, Hank Gathers, who had an enlarged heart. And I'm not going to tell you about the rest of it. Oh, no, he died in the court in March 4th, 1990. He collapsed, I believe. Yeah, I mean, it's just, but it, it shows you how these two men, um, and believe it or not, Westhead was from the Philadelphia area too, originally, you know, a couple generations before Hank Gathers, but it just shows you how, and it, but it's about Westhead, it's about his life, and you couldn't do it without including Hank Gathers in the way that whole thing come together. So it's a 30 for 30, check it out. That's cool. all. Um, I just want to let the audience know, the reason we weren't on um, last Friday, we never, we're doing one show a week. Um, until the NCAA tournament is over, uh, we might keep it that way. We, we kind of like the idea of just doing like one like big show per week. Yeah. Um, also for because we're we're not getting paid to do this. This is like a nice hobby, which hopefully can turn to something professionally where like we could do something with this. We'll get a company will hire us, or we'll start getting sponsorships and getting paid through ads. But right now, that's not happening, right? So we're still, we're still, you know, spending our time and energy like like a, a Monday night after a long day of work. Joe and I both work, and then Friday night, you know, the weekend start doing it late Friday. Um, it's just like it's not uh, always easy to do two per week. So for right now, until April at least, we're going to be doing one show a week. That's why you didn't hear a show like I said last Friday and Saturday. So we're definitely doing the show every Monday. So stay tuned for that. The shows might actually be higher quality because uh, we might just have one, you know, one thing to focus on per week, one show. We'll see what happens. But I know today's show went a little bit long, almost two hours. But I'm glad everyone stayed with us to the very end. And you know uh, what, Sean, with regard to the the two days or one day or whatever that is, let's just say that we're going to do one for the next month, and then we're, we're going to keep it open. I mean, just because we may go back and do two shows for three weeks in a row, and then mess around for two the next two weeks and do one. We're always going to keep it open from here on out, just to feel things out. But it is what it is. So it'll either be two or one or one or two or whatever the case may be. We're leaving so, it open, and I think that's the way to do it. Yep. So next show is going to be next Monday night. Uh, I'm seeing the Killers, my favorite band. I'm seeing the Killers at Thursday in Atlantic City, and then I'm seeing another band which I never saw before. Also, another band I really like called Muse. I'm seeing them in Philadelphia on Sunday night. So, before next show, I'll have seen two two concerts. I'm probably going to see two more movies. You know, we'll see what happens because the NCAA tournament's happening this week, so I don't know. I have to find time to go to the movies, but we'll see. Anyway, we have a lot going on. And uh, we're happy everyone's listening. Again, all the social media links are in the description. We really appreciate if anyone likes and subscribes because I, you know, we see those reviews, we see those likes, and it gives us more encouragement to keep going for sure. Um, and as far as everything, everything goes, Joe, the floor is yours, sir. Uh, yeah, you said earlier on in the show here, Sean. You said when you do good things, good things happen, and and it kind of stuck with me. Now I, ha- I have these these I had this made up before we even started the show. It's just weird how how it parallels my closing comments tonight. But here it is.
when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good night. Take care.